In today's episode, we're talking about the difference between high-paying clients and low-paying clients. You're listening to JFDI with the two Lauras. This is a weekly podcast where the two of us chat about all things related to building a business as a freelancer. Every week, we share tips, advice, and inspiration about business, marketing, and social media to help you build a business that fits around your lifestyle and family, but also pays you well. And in this episode, we're talking all about the difference between those high-paying clients and the low-paying clients. These days, saying something once on social media just doesn't cut it because no one sees all of your content. And there is massive power in repeating yourself. But repeating and repurposing your content doesn't mean publishing the same post or the same message every single time. It means using different content formats to say the same thing which can be really, really difficult. So we've put together the ultimate guide to remixing your content to help you to reuse your best content, your best posts really quickly and help your audience really understand what you can do to help them. Because when you do that, you can position yourself as an expert and win more clients. To get our ultimate guide to remixing your content for free today, just go to thetwolauras.com forward slash ultimate. That's thetwolauras.com forward slash ultimate. Okay, Laura Davis, let's get on with the show. Okay, so... Laura, in simple terms, what is the difference when we're working with low-paying clients versus working with high-paying clients, in your professional opinion? In my professional opinion, it's the number you put on your proposal, like you've added an extra zero. That's it. (laughs) Is that what you were hoping I would say? (laughs) Yeah, so, okay, well, I was going to go a little bit deeper. I think the difference is, <laughs> but it's like connected in a hundred percent. Cause what I was going to say is the difference is confidence, the actual day to day. And we can kind of come on to some, maybe some more practical points in a bit, but the reality is it's just the confidence of what someone believes in themselves and puts on their yeah. invoice. It's coming. Yes. Yeah, someone is confident to charge 500 pounds. Someone else down the road is confident to put two grand on exactly the same proposal to exactly the same client. Yeah. And I, because I find this really interesting, like I talk with my client a lot about freelancers and he's hired some shit ones in the past, (laughs) me not included. Um, And he's hired some, and to be fair, I've worked with him for five years and I have seen a lot come and go (laughs) and I'm still there. Anyway, and sometimes he hires people who are really expensive. Like he tells them about it and he's like, oh, well, I've just hired this person to do this. They're charging this. And I'm like, my eyes are popping out of the head and I'm thinking, Jesus Christ. And then you're thinking, shit, I need to add an extra zero on my next yeah, invoice. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'm like, you know, six months later, a few months later, I was like, right, well, why can't we ask blah, blah, this? Or or there'll be some conversation related to another freelancer he's hired. And he'll be like, oh, no, they've gone. And I'm like, where have they gone? Oh, they're really, really shit. Or I have to say to them, Chris, you know you're paying for this amount of money for this client, Did you for this freelancer, did you realise that this is what they're doing? And he's like, no. And I've seen it as well. I've been in like ad accounts from people who I know are charging like thousands and thousands and thousands. And honestly, it was, it's shocking. It's absolutely shocking what goes on in those ad accounts. So... The difference is that, well, the, my point is there are really, really shit people out there charging high amounts and they're shit. And the, the difference is, the problem that creates is if a client hires someone, say, for like, I don't know, two grand to do their Instagram and are really, really, really shit, and then you're charging 
£500, the client's going to think, well, if someone's charging £2,000 in their shit, imagine how shit a £500 person is going to be. So it's unfortunately, shit people charging high amounts is not doing us good social media's ads managers any favours. And the difference is that they've just got bigger balls to charge more. They don't have better information or more knowledge. It's just the confidence level's higher. Yeah, they just believe in themselves to say, oh, fuck it, what have I got to lose? What have I got to lose by not, you know, apart from obviously not winning the client? (laughs) And, you know, there are considerations. So obviously we all want to make as much money for the little amount of work as possible, let's be honest. Like that's what we're here for, right? Um, So if the job is exactly the same between someone who charges £500 and someone who charges £2,000, then of course we're going to want the £2,000 for exactly the same job. What, Like who Mm. wouldn't? But... Sometimes there are differences or considerations you need to make when you work with higher paying clients. And actually that in itself and some of these things that you need to consider might be reason enough for you to go, you know what? Well, actually, I don't care about the big paying clients. I don't want the big ones. It's like you never liked the big ad paying clients with the big ad spend because you just didn't like all the data. And that's so that's a strategic decision that you made for your business. And so some of these things that we might talk about, it might make you go, you know what, I don't want these bigger paying clients. Because let's face it, bigger paying clients are a bigger risk in your business from a finance perspective. If you just have two clients who pay you, say, three grand a month, so you've got a nice little six grand a month income, you lose one of them, that's 50% of your income gone, which can be quite a risk. It's, it's quite a dramatic difference, isn't it? Yeah. So you do have to have that consideration. Like, what can you do to kind of mitigate that? But equally, on the flip side, people with no budget and are like penny pinching and essentially by paying you, they're falling short on their mortgage payment. Those kind of small paying clients can be an absolute disaster. Mm. They can be an absolute nightmare. They just, because they're, my worst clients have always been the ones who my lower paying clients. They weren't even paying me like really low fees, but they've always been the one. The more they pay, the better they are as a client in my experience. Yeah. They're less demanding. Yeah. And I think as a general rule, I'd say that was the same for me. Like I have had some complete nightmare big paying clients as well. But I think on a whole, smaller paying clients, they're more penny pinching, aren't they? Mm. Like by paying for someone to do my social media, they're something else probably in their business not doing so well because they're kind of having to kind of move money around. Yeah. Clients who have got bigger budgets have like payroll. They're used to having these kind of financial commitments every month. They're the ones who generally will just see you as an you're just an additional direct cost to the business. And they generally respect your expertise. And quite often it's not even their money they're spending, so it's they're less no. demanding. Yeah, so they still get their salary at the end, end of the month. Yeah. When you work for small businesses where they pay you £300, which means they have to pay themselves £300 less, that's when we start to see problems because they become yeah. so like, oh my God, like what are you doing? They're like micromanage despite the fact they don't understand social media you know so and it kind of makes them feel sick to give away their money a bit like when you're paying our tax bill because it's like that's our money yeah you know you just you don't want to give your own money away right yeah it is so their mindset is plays a massive part on your experience of small and big 
paying clients. So there are pros and cons to this, you know, so you go for big paying clients that could in theory create more risk in your business. You go for smaller paying clients. So if you lost a smaller paying client, it might not, yes, it will still obviously have an impact, but not a significant impact, but they might be a complete pain in the ass to work with on a day by day basis. So actually there are perks and downsides to both sides of the coin. But I think if you want to work with bigger paying clients, should we just kind of talk about some of the things that maybe some expectations that bigger paying clients might have on you as a freelancer? Yeah, I think there's some like considerations you need to think about, like from the beginning perspective. So like, I know I was kind of joking earlier, but I also was serious about when it comes to your proposal, like the biggest difference is just the number that you're putting on your proposal, probably everything else that you're putting in there, you would have put it on there to try and win a 500 pound client compared to winning a two grand client. But it might be the way in which you're presenting that information might be different depending on who it is you're speaking to within the business. So those kind of things might change. And then when you win that client, like how you onboard them might be slightly different. You kind of want to be really smooth and slick, right? And start that relationship off kind of really well because they're kind of, to you, they're like a high quality luxury client, if you like. They're they're really no different to the low paying one, but you want them to feel like they're different. Does that even make sense? Yeah. No, I think that's a really good point. And I think like slick is a good word, isn't it? Like if you're fumbling and like not really, it's just not smooth. They don't feel Mm. that process of being onboarded as smooth and like you're having to kind of go back to them every other day again. Oh, sorry. I also need this from you. And oh, can I have this from you? And like you want like a nice like system in place to manage that kind of client relationship you want the onboarding to be smooth you want that proposal document to look shit hot you know you don't just want to put it on like an email and I've lost clients because I've done that before I created a proposal template for my business I lost a massive client and I know it's because I just dropped them an email going hi I can work for you this is how much I charge and this is what you'll get like I didn't give that kind of nice pretty kind of context to that price and I lost that client so having a awesome and that's when I created the proposal template which is now in the toolkit and I never ever lost a client again always got every client that I ever sent that proposal document to so I think having a really good looking and aesthetically pleasing I know it sounds like false well yeah (laughs) yeah but it does make a difference you know it's like if you're thinking of a cv if someone prints Mm. off like I always remember this when I was at school so we're going back to the days where you had a record of achievement that's the kind of era I'm in and you would have a cv and there was all this about how to write your cv when you're at school or it might have been college and you had they would tell you to print it on good quality paper versus shit like the thin tracing type paper yeah like the shit yeah the paper that I now use like always use the good like more card like paper to print your cv on this is like the digital equivalent of that isn't it Mm. it's like your proposal Mm. could be on the shitty tracing paper or could be on the good obviously I'm not saying they actually print it but equally you wouldn't use the really great quality paper and then write a really shitty cv no true it's all got to be good. It's just got to be smooth. Yeah. It's got to be nice. It's got to be, you've got, because in that process, it's not just about like the fact that, oh, I'm sending them a pretty proposal document or I've got a slick onboarding process or I know exactly what to ask them at, the, at a certain point. It's not about, it's just about that. It's about the feelings that, you, that you're creating for your client, new client. 
when they're especially when they're spending a lot of money and yes it might not be the money that pays their mortgage yes it might not they might not be but they still have to justify paying that money exactly there'll be someone saying to them what's this outgoing so you need to make them feel like they've made the right decision you need them to feel really confident like they can trust you if you're like fumbling and being a pain in the ass and asking them five thousand million questions you know and there's nothing kind of pulled together there's there's nothing slick about it it will make them and I've been down that road before I've worked with people and I've just thought Jesus Christ what's happening like Mm. this is a nightmare and it just gives you a bad gut feeling it's that buyer's remorse isn't it yeah yeah said yes and then immediately like shit maybe I shouldn't have said yes yeah especially because they sent the invoice (laughs) yeah exactly so you need to mitigate that so that never happens yeah yeah so definitely if you think I want to go for these bigger clients just be thinking how are my proposal documents do I need to get the ones in the social media manager's toolkit which are in all different designs and is it my whole onboarding process slick how can I make that better obviously you could also use what we recommend in the social media manager's toolkit but like it's about just taking a step back isn't it and thinking does this actually look good like are there typos in it like does it look good and does it work well yeah yeah those two things I think are really crucial yeah and if you've onboarded a client before and it's not kind of worked and you found that there are things missing and you've had to go back and ask additional things go and review and adapt and change your onboarding so it does include everything that you need definitely So there's that kind of side of it. There's also, I suppose, if you are going to be taking on bigger clients and your capacity may be not stretched because you would never want to do that, but you are going to be working maybe more at capacity. What can you do within your business to help you? You know, maybe you need this time to take on a VA. Maybe it's time to take on someone to help you with your finances. And we would always recommend you take on people within your business, like other freelancers yourself to help with your non-delivery of the work like so you can carry on doing delivery like even like just getting a cleaner using things like hello fresh or you know doing online shopping instead of having to go to the supermarket all of those things will kind of free up time yeah and brain space for you as well yeah and also I guess what can you automate in your business you know are you someone who manually sends all of your invoices every month is there a way that you can just use something like zero or something and automate that process? There will be loads of automations that we can all do in our business. How can we be more organized with our time? So if you've gone from having a couple of days a week that you can work on your business, that you spend doing your own social, like, and you're not going to have that anymore, how can you ensure that you're still can, like marketing your business? Like, How can you be more organized? How is it that you're, best, you're going to work best to make best use of your time? So you want to have a and we're all going to be different with that because we all work very differently. But you'll certainly want to have that on your mind because to come on to the next point that you have to continue to market your business. Because as we mentioned, if you've got big paying clients and you're working with less clients, but they're high paying, if you lose one of those, it's such a big impact on your finances. So you will always need to be having a pipeline of businesses and the way to achieve a pipeline of keen perspective businesses who want to work with you is by continuing to market your business more so I guess than any time because that financial drop was so big you want to be confident that you've kind of got essentially got a waiting list you know so you'll be able to say to your client to your 
audience on social, look, I'm now at capacity. I now have an, and my current contract is a six month contract. You don't actually have to say that. So I will be opening my books again in six months time. If you want to be on that list, join my waiting list type of thing. You need to kind of create that interest and urgency to take action and then that also positions you people are like oh my god this girl's like she's fully booked she must be amazing I want a bit of that because we all get FOMO don't we yeah and I think even if you're not working with these high paying clients that should be a strategy you use regardless of what your clients are paying you should always be having that wait list and you should always be using that as a way to market like a scarcity kind of marketing isn't it making sure that people are are there ready and waiting to hire you but also another way to kind of mitigate that risk by using this waiting list is and this doesn't shouldn't happen too often when you've got high paying clients but it happens a lot when you've got low paying clients the ones where they're like penny pinchers they're like oh it's coming up to the summer holidays or it's coming up to christmas can we just pause for a month mm. And you're like, uh, no, that's not how life works. You can't just pause my contract. But that's another reason. If you've got that waiting list, you've got people waiting for you, but you can be like, well, no, we can't pause. You can end your contract, but then you will lose your space because I've got a waiting list of how many people. And that's another way to kind of get them over that whole hurdle of them wanting to be annoying and pause a contract, which is like, come on, let's get a grip. (laughs) (laughs) That's what you should put in your email, by the way. No, get a grip. (laughs) But yeah, the other thing I think, when it comes to your high paying clients and managing your risk is the whole offer offer triangle framework. Mm. We've spoken about this in numerous podcasts before, so hopefully this isn't new to you. But in terms of having those other offers in your business, so if you did lose a client and you're you know working through that process to replace them, you've got other things that you can be selling to your audience to bring in income. So whether it's power hours or audits or strategy services or, I don't know, like a digital course or a digital product of some sort, you've got something that can still bring you in an income. And you can go out to your audience, you can then run a promotion to sell that whilst you're going through because it is can be a long process to get a management client even if you've got a waiting list you still kind of need to go through that process of of them taking you on so what is it that you can put in place now so you can you know back up that income so to speak yeah and if you haven't got a lot of clients now and have got capacity now now is the time to be creating those things within your business so that you have got them to hand when you need to where you suddenly because if you were to lose a client you know you're a mom of kids you lose a client in early July the last thing you'll want to be doing well maybe maybe not for me the last thing I would want to be doing is taking on a new client at the start of the summer holidays I literally could not think of anything worse so for me I'd be thinking well then no one's gonna I'm not gonna be able to do it until September but if I had other tools in my toolbox so to speak that I can then whip out and say well look I'm not taking on a new client but I've got this strategy that I know that I could build and work on whilst I'm on an evening through the school holidays I have that flexibility I'm going to sell some strategies so then I can run a promotion to promote those or I might have some digital products that I might just want to start selling and I might build some ads to sell them you know you you want to have if you've got capacity in your business now this is when you need to be creating these things for when you have those pinch points in your business where you do need to suddenly pull in some extra income because potentially you've lost a client, for example. Yeah, and a lot of these things don't take a lot of time or effort to create. You know, So like, for example, if you wanted to offer an audit service, there's everything you need to do that is in the social media manager's toolkit. You don't actually have to go and do anything. It's just a case of selling that service, going, grabbing the, the template, filling it in, delivering it to the client, jobs are good in. So there are things that you that are not going to take you a lot of time and effort to actually have in place. It's just a case of you deciding how much you want to charge and running a promotion. And that social media manager toolkit 
includes the social proof program which will take you through a whole promotion period of how to actually kind of launch product and sell that product so everything you need really is in that toolkit yeah definitely so another thing that I just wanted to touch on if you're considering working with higher paying clients is just how you can manage expectations and I guess this this is regardless of how much they're paying because as we've already discussed some people paying a small budget it might feel like they're spending big money with you but it's Mm. just making sure that you manage expectations and just because someone might be paying you a lot more it doesn't mean that you're more likely to make posts go viral for example it doesn't mean that just because they're paying you more you're more likely to suddenly get them hundreds of thousands of followers or hundreds of thousands more sales they're paying for your skills and your expertise. They're not paying for magic. So, And they're also, even though they're paying you more, they're not paying you to be more on, in, around for them. They, they still have to have those boundaries of yeah. when they can contact you and all of that stuff. Just paying you more money doesn't mean that you're in their pocket 24-7. No, you don't suddenly become an employee either. Like You have to be at their beck and call. You have to be saying, when am I working when I'm not working? Nothing no. changes. You're still a freelance but you do need to manage those expectations and as you quite rightly say like have those boundaries in place that they don't take the piss for sure and I think as well when you're working with these clients and this does go for all clients but particularly with those high paying clients it's really important that you have a really good retention strategy to keep them as a client and a lot of that will come down to your reporting and making sure that you are both on the same page when it comes to your objectives of what they, it is that they're trying to achieve. So that then the reporting that you're putting together and the story that you're telling in your reporting really aligns back to that and helps them to understand that you are delivering in, on it. And, and if you're not able to deliver on it, because, you know, for wh- whatever happens, you are really able to explain why and what you should do next. And, you know, you're always that you're always one step ahead of where they would be in their minds so that they're reading your reports or coming onto a call and they leave feeling confident that this is a really good investment of our money. We should continue paying this person. Yeah, nice, 100%. So I I just think kind of to wrap it up in summary... Like there are ben- like there's so much content out there about how you need to have high paying clients and high paying clients this and high paying clients that and high paying clients they aren't the be all and end all I think is what I really want to get across obviously I want everyone to make as much money as possible but I just want people to go into it with their eyes open now I'm not saying that and therefore suggesting that we should all be paying and charging pennies I am not and there is obviously a lower limit on how much we should be charging but I think it's just about respecting what's right for you and actually high paying clients might not be right for you you might not want that and your high paying client to somebody else might be cheap yeah 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 everyone's version of high paying is different isn't it yeah so just decide what you want and yeah you know try working with some big paying clients they might not be for you but equally you might not enjoy working with the smaller businesses where they're they're potentially more hands-on or you know you don't have a marketing team to maybe work with there's like all different things that you you'll need to consider and every business is different to be honest but I I suppose the, the the differences here it just comes down to your confidence your self-belief knowing your numbers knowing what you the minimum you've got to charge to make a profit in your business after you've paid for yourself it's all of those things you need to bear in mind when you want to decide what you're charging but I suppose to try to motivate you as we said right at the start the difference with the people who are charging 
the high numbers isn't because they know more than you. It's not because they are better than you. It's just because they've got, as Laura, quote Laura, has got bigger balls and has put a extra zero on their invoice. They've gone big. So we all just need to have bigger balls if we want bigger balls. <laughs> bigger balls if you want bigger balls. You heard it here first. <laughs> get that get, on a graphic. Get that on a graphic. <laughs> So throughout this episode, Laura and I have mentioned the toolkit quite a few times. Um, If you're interested in finding out more about how that can help you with getting and working with higher paying clients or any clients at all, go to the twolauras.com forward slash toolkit and we'll put that link in the show notes too. And that's it for another episode. We will be back same time, same place next week. And in the meantime, come and drop into our DMs on Instagram and tell us whether you are working with high paying or low paying clients and which you prefer. Yes, I'd love to know that. Yeah. Alrighty. Right, we'll see you soon. See you soon. Au revoir. Au revoir. Au revoir. Au revoir. Au revoir. Au revoir. Au revoir.